So July 14th, 2009, at 8.20 in the morning, was a day that forever changed my life. That was the day that I became a father. That was the day that my son Brock, my oldest son, was born. And I just want to tell you, family, that was the moment when everything, when I, when I began to understand God's love in, in, in a more real and powerful way than I had. Within those first few seconds of being a dad, I learned more about the love of God the Father than I had in my entire years of following Jesus. In those first few seconds, it was like God just wrecked my world. And I went, God, man, I love this little boy more than life itself. He, he's completely helpless. He's done nothing for me. He hasn't uttered a word. He can't do anything. He's incredibly selfish. He just cries when he wants something, and I've got to come to his beck and call. But in that moment, man, I, I had this ferocious love stirred up in me where I went, I would lay down my life for this child in a second, and he hasn't even said a word yet. That is incredible that God does that. And so when I see those stats that you saw on the screen earlier, and when, I, and when I read the stats and see that there are millions of children around the world, there are over 400,000 kids just in the United States that are waiting for a family, waiting to be loved like I love my sons. It, it makes me just go, man, God, how in the world can this be? How can my boys experience the love that I have for them? And yet there's 400,000 kids or 19,000 kids in just the state of Texas that do not or have not experienced that kind of love. It just blows my mind that that exists in our world. You see, as we talk about adoption this morning, I think that we have to start a little bit before that. I think we gotta back up and we need to start with our own adoption. We have to understand first and foremost who God is and what he has done for us. And I believe if we will fully just grab a hold of that, then it will completely change us and transform us and compel us to then go and love and care for others. You see, the doctrine of adoption is one of the most life transforming aspects of the gospel because it allows us to see the depth of God's love for each and every one of us, that we can now actually be called children of God and that we can know him, not just as some distant being, but that we can actually know him as a loving father. Look what uh, John Piper says. This is what he says about the gospel. He says, the gospel is not a picture of adoption, Adoption is a picture of the gospel. First John chapter three says this, see what kind of love that the father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. My prayer for us this morning, New Beginnings, and those of you joining us online is this, is that we would see and experience the love of God the Father in such a fresh and powerful way that we would be forever changed because we know that he loves us and has adopted us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the stories that we have already heard. Thank you for the worship that we've already experienced. God, I pray that over the next few moments as we dive into your word, that your spirit would move in a powerful way, that you would 
Show us the things that we need to see, that we would hear them with fresh ears and then they would move to our heart and change us and transform us from the inside out. And when we hear you speak, we would say yes and obey and do the things that you were calling us to do. And we ask all of this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four is where we're gonna be camping out this morning. And while you're making your way to Galatians four, I wanna just kind of give you a little bit of context about this book called Galatians. In fact, if I could just sum up the entire book of Galatians, it would just be one word. This is gonna be the shortest description of any book of the Bible that you've ever had. Are you ready for this? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Freedom. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, to these believers, and he wants them to know that you are free because of who Jesus is and what he has done. He has set you free from the law. He has set you free from all the religious rules. He has set you free from all of your sin. He has set you free from death. Jesus Christ came and did what no one else could do. He has broken every chain and you are now free. That is the anthem of Galatians is that you as followers of, God, of, of Jesus, you are now free in Christ. And the one that the sun sets free is free in deed. Galatians 4, starting in verse 4, says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This morning, as we go through this text, I wanna give you three words that we see in Galatians 4 that I believe just leap off the pages. And these, these should be words that define us as those who have been Adopted, And the first word is this, loved. You and I are loved by God. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. In other words, God left heaven, stepped down from his throne, put on flesh, and became a man. He came and dwelt among us. He says that he was born under the law. In other words, he was born with the same demands of obedience that God had placed on us, except check this out. Jesus never broke one law. Jesus was perfect in every way. He fulfilled every letter of the law perfectly. And notice what he accomplished by doing this. It was to redeem those who were born under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Everybody say redeem. It was to redeem us. Remember John three sixteen, that famous scripture, for God so, let me hear you, come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us first. And so God sent his one and only son. So listen, in love, God moved heaven and earth to make us his own. He says that God, you see, God sent Jesus to redeem us 
in order to adopt us. Let me say that one more time if you're taking notes. I want to challenge you to write that down. God sent Jesus to redeem us in order to adopt us. That word redeem, when Paul writes that word redeem, his audience would have known exactly what he was talking about because in Galatia and in the, all of the surrounding Roman Empire, slavery was a very common thing in that day and age. You could walk down to any town square in any day of the week, you would have seen slaves being placed up on the auction block and you would have seen people buying and selling slaves and so when Paul writes this, he says, listen, I want you to understand what God has done through his son. He sent his one and only son to redeem you, to pay the price for you to be set free. And so Jesus Christ enters the world and he steps in. And imagine this, you and I, before Christ, we're on that auction block with, our cha with chains on our hands and feet and we're being auctioned off and we're being so, we're being held in captivity by sin and all of the things that we have struggled with in our life. And in that moment, Jesus Christ says, he's mine, she's mine. I'll take them and I'll pay the highest possible price. Jesus Christ came and he wasn't looking for a deal. He wasn't looking for a discount. He didn't want to find out how low he could go or how cheap he could get you and me for. It says that he paid the absolute highest price possible, which was the shedding of his own blood. He gave his life in order that you and I could be set free. He redeemed us so that we might receive adoption. You see, New Beginnings, our place in the family is forever established because Jesus was willing to die on the cross in your place and in my place. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? That he came, the one who knew no sin, he stepped down and he became sin for us. He took on all of our sin he set us free and then he stepped in our place and he paid the, for the full wrath of God. He paid every ounce that was required. He paid for you and me to be redeemed and to be set free for God so loved the world. You and I are loved. You see, an orphan, when they're adopted, they bring absolutely nothing to the table. You heard Cody talk about with their very first, very first foster child, that when he showed up to their house, he had absolutely nothing but the clothes on his back. That was it. When an orphan's adopted, they bring nothing to the table. They have nothing to offer. There is nothing they can give in order to make, to, to, to persuade the parents to adopt them. They are broken. They are empty. They have absolutely nothing. And that is the same with you and I. We had nothing to offer God. I was reminded of a story this week as I was sharing, as I was preparing for this and, and thinking about sharing this with you guys. I had a friend named Chris when I was growing up, and my buddy Chris was adopted from Mexico City when he was four years old. He spent the first four years of his life living in what his dad calls this roach and rat infested orphanage in Mexico City. That was all he had ever known. And then his dad, just with this huge smile on his face, says, man, you wouldn't have believed, you wouldn't believe it. When I pulled up there that day to adopt Chris, that was the day, that was my, his gotcha day. That was the day that he finally became my son. 
And he said, I pulled up to the orphanage to pick Chris up. And he said, you had this little four-year-old boy standing on the street corner in front of the orphanage, and it was dreary and cloudy and rainy and nasty. And he said, Chris was standing on the corner with nothing in his hands. All he had was about the five, was the five layers of clothes that he had on, and he, it's raining and he's sopping wet. And he's just standing there waiting for me to pick him up and take him home. You and I are that little four-year-old boy standing on the street corner with nothing to offer, standing there waiting and wondering, is someone going to rescue me? Is someone going to bring me home and make me a part of their, of their family? And I want you to know that Jesus Christ came and made you a part of his family. He adopted you. And so you can be rest assured today, New Beginnings, that it is not out of anything that you and I bring to the table. It is not our good works. It's not our religion. It's not if we come church enough. It is only through Jesus Christ and what he has done that we can be a part of God's family. It is the grace of God extended to us through his son, Jesus, that we get to be adopted, that we get to be a part of God's family. And this should bring an absolute peace and stability in our lives, knowing that we don't ever have to doubt it. And in the moments when you start to doubt, does God love me and do I belong to him? I want you to look at the cross and remember the price that was paid for you to be redeemed. The cross of Jesus Christ should be a constant reminder that God paid the highest price for me. So I am priceless. I am valuable. I am worth it because he says I'm worth it. It's not that anything that you and I can do, we are secured. He's never going to abandon us. He's not gonna leave us. He will always provide for us. We are safe and secure in the sacrifice of Jesus. The second word I want you to write down this morning is belong. You and I belong to God. Galatians 4, 6 says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, in the moment that you receive Christ, at the moment of your salvation, God gives us the spirit. And when we receive the son, we, when we receive the son, he gives us his, his spirit. And he gives us his spirit as evidence of our adoption. In other words, it's this. The moment we say yes to Jesus, kind of like my son did just a few days ago, that night in his bedroom when he said, God, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. The moment Colton accepted Jesus as his Savior, God sent his spirit to seal the deal, if you will. He put his spirit inside of Colton and said, you are mine. You belong to my family now because you believed in my son and you received his spirit. So you are sealed. And that is the evidence of your adoption is that the spirit of the son now lives in you. You see, our salvation is so much more than just some legal transaction. It is a personal encounter with the living God. It is a personal relationship with the father. The apostle Paul doesn't say, hey, you might be sons if you act good enough. You might be sons when you stop sinning. You might be sons if you can do the right thing and walk the, the, the straight line, stay on the straight and narrow. But if you mess up, you're kicked out of the family. He doesn't say that, does he? What does he say? He says, you are sons. 
crying, Abba, Father. I love that the Apostle Paul was, will, was, was inspired to write those words, crying, Abba, Father. I can remember when my boys were babies, and, and parents, you'll be able to relate to this, uh, but they, they, uh, when they were little infants, uh, they would cry a lot. And here's what I know as their father is I started to learn pretty quickly that they had different cries. And let me explain like this. Like they had the, the hungry cry. They had the dirty diaper cry. They had the I'm cranky and tired and I don't want to take a nap cry. They had the something's wrong, something's hurting, something's painful. And so I'm crying out, wanting my father to respond because I need him to do for me what I can't do for myself. I want you to know, church family, Paul writes these words because he wants you to see that as believers, as sons of God, that he loves you, that you belong to his family. And when you belong to his family, you, you have this relationship with him. You have this closeness with him. You have this intimacy with him. And so you can cry out, Abba, Father. And when you cry, he knows knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. My boys have gotten older, and so they don't cry as often as they used to when they were babies, but they still communicate with me in different ways, and it looks a little bit different. But they'll come running out to the truck when I get home, and in those moments as they start to, to say, hey, dad, 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 uh, they're either A, joyful and want to celebrate, they want to tell me something that happened at school, or they want to tell me about a, great, a good grade that they got, or they want to tell me about something that they did. And in those moments, I, I'm, I celebrate with them because I, I'm their father and I love them and I have this close relationship with them. And there are other times that they'll come to me and before they even say a word, I already know what they're about to do because I have such a closeness and such an intimacy with them. I'll look at them and say, eh, don't even think about it. Like, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're about to do. And so let's turn around. Let's not go there because that's not going to end. Well, I want to tell you, New Beginnings, that you, if you have a relationship with God because of his son, Jesus, you can cry out to him. This word Abba is an Aramaic term that Paul writes, and this is exactly the way that Jesus would cry out to his father and call on his father. And so you and I, as sons of God that have been adopted into his family, we now have the great privilege and the great honor to be able to call out to God as Abba, Father, as Papa, or as Daddy, and that expresses this closeness and this intimacy that no one else has. Jesus spoke this way, and now you and I have been given the right to be able to approach God and to speak this way as well. Listen what Tim Keller says about this. He says, the work of the Son is done externally to us and is something we can have without feeling, but the work of the Spirit, that's something different. That is done internally to us and consists in us being completely moved emotionally as well as intellectually by the what? by the love of the Father. That's a powerful statement right there, isn't it? You see, I feel like many of us as Christians, we go, man, I just, whew, I barely snuck in the back door, right? He barely let me in. And so we've been missing all of this that I'm talking about, this closeness, this relationship, this intimacy that we can have with God the Father when we belong to his family. You see, it's not about just getting into heaven, it's about knowing him and having a relationship with him. He wants to walk with you. 
He wants to talk with you. He wants to provide for you and meet your needs. He wants to celebrate your victories with you. He wants to meet you in your despair and in your brokenness and scoop you up and hold you in his arms. He wants to be your Abba father. He wants to be your papa, your daddy. He wants to be the loving father that he is. If you'll let him, don't miss out on that. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. The third word is this, identity. That you and I, as those who have been adopted, we are now identified as sons of God. Galatians 4, 7 says this, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, we are no longer a slave, but a Son, let me hear you. We are no longer a slave, but a son. We have been set free. We, we don't, we don't, we're not bound to those things anymore. We're not bound up to our sin and to our shame. And so now that we have become sons, with this sonship comes full and complete access to everything that belongs to God the Father. You are no, you are no longer because you now are. You are now Sons, And with that sonship comes complete access to everything that the father has. Going back to my buddy Chris, when he was adopted at four years old in Mexico City, standing there sopping wet with five layers of clothes on that were three sizes too big, he had no idea what his future looked like. He had no idea that his father was extremely wealthy. And as he picked him up to take him away from the orphanage, his dad said, man, he was kicking and screaming and clinging, wanting to go back to the, the roach and rat infested orphanage, not knowing that a family and a treasure beyond his wildest dreams awaited him in the States. He said, he had no idea what I wanted to give to him. He had no idea what I wanted to provide for him. He had no idea that I was gonna give him the best of everything, the best education. We were gonna travel the world together. That he was gonna experience a father that would tuck him in every night and, and read to him and sing to him. That would just be, be, celebrate the things of life with him, pick him up on the hard days. And I, I think for many of us, we miss this as believers that God wants to do those exact same things in our lives. When we're up on the auction block, when we're bound to our sin and our shame. We have no idea what God wants to do on the other side of that. That he, we, he wants to bring us into his family because he loves us. He wants us to belong to him. He wants to give us his name and he wants to give us access to everything that he has. So many times we walk around defeated and, and I call it Eeyore Christian. You, you know what Eeyore does? He walks around moping a little bit going, oh, woe, woe is me, Right? with the, the cloud above him. And, and I feel like so often we walk around like that, not knowing that we have access to everything that the Father has for us. This is huge that you and I have been given a new identity. We've been given that name. We're not just sinners saved by grace. We are now more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can live like children of the king and not as slaves to sin. Galatians 4, 7 says this, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In other words, what Paul would say in Romans 8 is that if you're an heir of God, you're a co-heir with Christ, that in other words, that makes us royalty. 
Did you know that you are royalty this morning? Did you know that if you've been loved by God and you belong to his family and he's given you his name, that you are an heir with Christ and that means that you are royalty. Now I wanna talk about this, this thing that we see in Galatians where Paul writes this word sons over and over and over again because I, I know there's a lot of ladies in the room and there's a lot of ladies watching online and when we read through that ladies, when all you see is sons, you think, what about us, right? What about us daughters? What about us? Did he forget about us? Did he leave us out? So often when we read that, we do this. We go sons and daughters, or we put in uh, children, and that misses the point. Let me, let me share what I mean. Let me see, show you what Tim Keller says. He says, in most ancient cultures, daughters could not inherit property. Therefore, son meant legal heir, which was a status forbidden to women. But the gospel tells us that we are all sons of God in Christ. We are all heirs. This is a beautiful thing. This is not discrimination. You see, every single person who has placed their faith in Christ has been adopted. You've been included as heirs to the kingdom. You are royalty regardless of who you are what gender we, you are, what race you are, how bad you were, how unworthy you feel. The gospel of Jesus Christ says this, that you belong to me. I have made you my own, not on the basis of who you are, but on the basis of who I am. First John, or John chapter one, verse 12 through 13 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let me remind you, church family, this morning, if you're out there doubting, you are loved. Ephesians 1 tells us that God predestined us in love to be adopted before the foundations of the world. What does that mean? That means this, before there was ever a sun in the sky, before there was a mountain ever created, before there were any oceans, before there was a garden called Eden, before there was an Adam, before there was an Eve, God chose you. Before the foundations of the world, he chose you, he loved you, and he wanted you to be a part of his forever family. Second thing is this, you belong. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of that family and there is nothing that will ever change that. He has given you a new identity. He has given you his name and he has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the love that you have showed to us in your son. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room under the sound of my voice or anyone watching online that has not accepted the gift that you have given us in your son, that today would be the day of their adoption. God, I pray if they don't know you, that today they would come to know you as a loving father who loves them beyond measure, who has paid the highest price possible for their adoption and wants to give them your name. Father, I pray and for those of us in the room as well and watching online, that if we belong to you and if we're part of your family, that we would realize we are adopted, we do belong, we do have your name, and with that name comes a high calling 
God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to, to love and support and encourage those that are in the process of adoption or foster. God, may we be the church and may we live like it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Hey, if you're in the room today and today was the day of your adoption, we would love to know about it. We'll have some of our team members up front. They would love to hear that from you and love to pray with you. And for those of you in the room that may be just struggling right now, as we worship, I want you to know the altar is open and you can come down and be prayed for.